Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Inside OU Podcast. What's up, patrons? What's up, everybody else listening for free? Uh, don't worry, I still love you. Uh, but feel free to subscribe to Patreon. Wouldn't hurt. But uh, yes, so it's the off season. So what does that mean? That means uh, content and news are going to be scarce. So you got to fill up time slots as much as possible. And there is still college football to look forward to. Uh, I'm definitely excited for this game uh, between Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, definitely two of the more talented rosters in the country. So I'm excited for that. Hopefully Josh Fields is 100% ready to go. And if they have to delay the game, I don't care. Just I want to see Josh Fields 100%. So um, I thought it'd be a great idea to bring on uh, Buckeye and someone who's been on this podcast before, Miss Danielle Dwyer from uh, Fox 25 in OKC. Uh, Danielle, once again, thank you so much for returning to the podcast. I'm glad I didn't scare you away, but hopefully the New Year's and the holidays treated you well. And you got to watch Ohio State just absolutely dominate as the 11th ranked team in the country, according to Dabo Sweeney. So good job on your part. Yeah, Brady, thanks for having me again. Uh, I don't think you could ever scare me away. It would take a lot for that. But uh, it's great to be an Ohioan right now. That's for sure. Um, no complaints here. Uh, yeah, the number 11 team, I, th- I tweeted out like, forget extending the playoffs to eight teams. Let's just do 12 since the number 11 beat the number two. So that's how it would have set up anyway. Um, but no, I, I think going into that game, uh, you know, you're nervous, especially when you see the COVID list and it's just kind of like, you look at everything that led to that. Um, the rules being adjusted in the big 10, um, everything that kind of led up to even give Ohio state that opportunity Uh, And you don't want them to squander that away. You were hoping for at least a competitive game. But then I honestly got almost flashbacks to when they were the fourth team going against the number one team the year that they won it, the first year of the playoffs against Alabama in that semifinal. That's kind of what this took me back to was just a total beat down uh, by the Buckeyes. And I thought that was the way to go out with it, too. I mean, there's so much pressure and you don't like to say that, but there is when you look at just how many people didn't think they should be in there and um, weren't worthy and all of that and all the arguments that were made that they, sh- the big, big tension have helped them along in this. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's good for the committee. It's good for college football. And I know that kills people to hear, but it's Ohio state Buckeye nation is strong, just like a lot of your other blue bloods out there and they bring a lot of money in. So how do you keep them out? And thank goodness they showed up uh, the way I was hoping they would. And they looked like a completely different team than what we had seen in their six games prior. Yeah. And I mean, no doubt, I mean, Ohio state, is always going to be one of the more talented rosters. I mean, if you just look at the recruiting, if you just look at the landscape of where the game is being played, I mean, Ohio State's always going to be there in the top five, top six, at the very least in any given year. But I mean, we'll, we'll get there, Danielle, because it is an OU podcast, so I wouldn't be doing my job if I also didn't pull the connection that you and I have in that we both love Baker Mayfield, and the Cleveland Browns, for the first time in 18 years, have reached the NFL postseason. Um, I really... I really can't believe it. I, I just really can't believe that. Um, now, Baker Mayfield is not the sole reason why Cleveland is in the playoffs, not by any stretch. I mean, it's a team sport. Football is a team sport. Um, 
their running game is incredible. Their offensive line is solid. They've got great receivers when they're healthy and able to go. Their defense is salty. Not the most consistent, but it's a good defense that can get the job done. Uh, but Baker Mayfield as the quarterback is going to get a lot of the praise and a lot of the crap uh, whenever Cleveland loses games like they did against the Jets or when they uh, falter in a great opportunity like they did in, in, against Baltimore in that awesome Monday night football game that pretty much was just a a huge reminder that the 2017 Oklahoma Sooners didn't win a national championship between, you know, Baltimore and Cleveland with all those Sooners there. But um, I mean, just your thoughts uh, just on Baker on Cleveland reaching the postseason. And again, I will say, I'm so sorry that they make the playoffs. And then there's just a long list of guys and coaches who can't be there because of COVID. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, great to be an Ohioan right now. Uh, maybe after Sunday and Monday, it might not feel so great, um, but we're going to go with it for now. It does stink that, you know, of all years that this is what their playoffs are go going to look like. On the plus side, it's so hard to be a team three times. So I feel kind of good that they at least split with the Steelers in the season, Um but the Steelers having full strength, having Ben Roethlisberger back, I think that will be challenging for Cleveland. But as far as Baker goes, um, and I think we've talked about this before, maybe um, the last time I joined briefly was I wasn't exactly, I was skeptical about Baker because you have to remember I was in Ohio then on the outside looking in. So I saw all of the, you know, the plant flat or flag planting, um, all the other things that happened that season <laughs> um, that everyone is well versed on. Uh, and so I was a little skeptical with um, drafting him because I just had flashbacks to when they took like Johnny Manziel and it was, I don't want this to be 2.0 version of that. And I will say I've been super impressed with him. I do think he's their franchise guy. I know that's been in question a lot. But what people need to remember, and it's so hard to do, is Kevin Stefanski is his fourth head coach in three years. And so, you know, it's it's I mean, so crazy to think about. I was just going to say, now he's going to have a fifth head coach in as many years because, you know, obviously Stefanski won't be there. But I mean, your point's right. well taken. Right. It's like, I think people forget about that. And that's the other thing, too. It's just you know, Browns fans are so used to not being good. Like we have had to go through, I mean, your loyalty gets tested a lot with this franchise. And then the one time that they are good, it's like, they're not good enough. I mean, you even see it, you see it with any program, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, Cause even when, you know, OU started off 0 and 2 in conference play, people were like, calling for Lincoln Riley, some of them out there. And it's just like, no, take a step back, you know? Um, so with the Browns, I think Baker is your franchise guy. I think um, he he fits so well in Cleveland, like just how he is as a, a person, the passion there, everything. I think um, he just goes so well with Browns fans and just with the dog pound and everything that encompasses like the Cleveland Browns. And I think the biggest thing with a quarterback, especially once you get into the league and is your relationship with your head coach, your offensive coordinator, whoever's calling your plays for you. And so I think this week, the biggest challenge for Baker, it does fall on him in the fact that his play caller that he has had all season long will not be there. And I think that is so challenging for a quarterback. I know Ben Roethlisberger even said it this week as well, that he's like, that's a big challenge for him to have. Um, because when you're so used to having your play caller and you build up this relationship and chemistry, 
uh, with your head coach who happens to call the plays. It is going to be hard to see what the playoffs are going to look like. And then you have all these guys out. Uh, you have other staffers out. And then you're going up against the Steelers who are pretty much full strength as it seems. So um, I think it is going to be a really tough challenge for the Browns. I'm happy that they made the playoffs because the last time they were in it, I really don't remember much at all. <laughs> um, and I think the biggest thing that's so hard for people, especially now is everybody has, everyone's so impatient. And so we have such a great season, but it's not enough. But I think what Browns fans and people need to remember the naysayers is that like, this is something to build off of. And going into the season, they talked about this third year being that make or break for Baker. And I think he made it this year. I really do. Um, I, and it's always easy to blame the quarterback on everything um, because they're the quarterback. And that kind of is par for the course. Um, but as you mentioned, Brady, it is a team effort. And a lot of people lose sight of that. Um, but I think he's had uh, – I think he's improved a lot, even just this year. And I think just having that continuity that he has not had before, like he's not had an O-line before. And yeah, COVID's had some issues this year with that even, but there's a lot of promise there for the future. And I think that's what people really need to keep in mind. Um, yes, they made the playoffs. So let's make this the first year of like many to come where the playoffs aren't a shot in the dark for this franchise anymore, that they are uh, a typical thing. Yeah. And I actually wanted to touch on something that you just mentioned Um I mean, for instance, like I'm a crazy OU fan. I, I'm a crazy Miami Dolphin fan, Miami Heat fan. Um, but I don't have a one size fits all like standard for all the teams I root for. Like I have high expectations for Oklahoma because they have the talent, they have the recruiting resources, they they have everything that you need in order to be like to have those championship standards. And so when they do lose a game, it does upset me. Now I don't have that with the Dolphins by any means because the Dolphins until recently have sucked royally. So I'm, I don't care as much when they lose because I, like, I don't expect them to. So um, mainly I'm talking about Colin Coward because that's the big polarizing thing when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. And he does represent basically a lot of people's opinions about not necessarily the, the Browns, but Baker Mayfield in that. Yeah, look, he was the number one overall pick. So that gives you a high standard and that you need to reach. And you can we can debate not necessarily not necessarily you and I, but people can debate whether Baker Mayfield was worthy of the number one overall pick. I mean, Josh Allen has proved to be probably uh, maybe the best quarterback, even though Lamar Jackson has won an MVP already. Um, he, but he was basically a flyer that Baltimore took at the end of the first round, just to go like, well, I mean, it could work. If it doesn't, we'll still be a fairly good team anyway. Um, but Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield, those were the three quarterbacks coming out of that draft. So that's where the debate really starts. But when you're talking about the Browns, just like you mentioned about how, you know, the last time they were in the playoffs, you don't really have them that many memories about it. Look, I don't look at the Browns with championship expectations, even with the talent that they have. Um, them making the playoffs is just incredible. And then Baker Mayfield being having a heavy hand in that really speaks to what he's building and what he's already had in the NFL in his short career. So I think it's awesome what you were talking about, how they can actually build off of this because um, it was a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. And he had, yeah, I mean, it was a really weird year because at the beginning it was just straight handoff, handoff, play action, handoff, handoff, play action. 
And then they had that home stretch where they had the worst weather I have ever seen. Just look at Baker's stats this season. And it just, all of a sudden, there's just no touchdowns. There's no interceptions. And there are like 17 passes per game because it was so terribly windy. They couldn't throw the ball. So it was an odd year. But after that, they really opened up Baker Mayfield's game. And he showcased a little bit more of his arm talent. Um, and if the Browns are ever going to not just get into the playoffs, but maybe win some games in the postseason, it's going to be because Baker Mayfield is allowed to open up his game and he needs to make, you know, he needs to execute. So um, anybody that's just crapping on Cleveland and just saying, well, who cares? Like they're acting like they won the Super Bowl. They're just going to go to the p- playoffs and get smacked by Pittsburgh at full strength. They barely beat Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph. Look, it's a different standard. We're talking about the damn Cleveland Browns. It's it's basically the same argument I remember having around NBA circles about the Clippers. I mean, Blake Griffin did essentially the same thing with the Clippers. He helped resurrect a dead franchise. He wasn't all about it. You know, it wasn't all him. It was Chris Paul, it was DeAndre Jordan. It was a lot their bench talent. But Blake Griffin was the adrenaline shot in the arm that that franchise needed. So Baker, I mean, bravo and... Basically, anything that happens in the postseason against Pittsburgh, to me, Danielle, is just it's a cherry on top for this season. But you look forward to next year. Oh, absolutely. It's like, come on, people. You have to remember that they won 11 games this year. 11. They were 0-16 a couple seasons ago. So, (laughs) and I was fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to have to cover that 0-16 season. (laughs) So, thank you, Deshaun Kaiser, for being from Toledo. And that's where I was working at the time. So, it was uh, really fun. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. It's like, we need as a fan base to remember. And like you said, it's so different when you look at an OU program or an Ohio state or an Alabama, they don't have a chance to fall off. They're supposed to be good year in and year out, no matter what the Browns, (laughs) it has been so tough. So I think, yes, people need to remember that this is an 11 win season in a franchise that was 0 and 16 only a couple years ago. They have had struggles ever since they came back to Cleveland. This franchise has suffered so much. I mean, people in Ohio literally for Halloween will decorate their yards with tombstones that mark every name of a quarterback that has come through this franchise since 1999. So it's one of those things where it's like, hang on to the good thing while we have it right now. And I know it's hard. Like you have the skeptical people and, I'm sorry, but we're going to cheer like this is almost Super Bowl worthy because we don't know what winning is like when you're a Cleveland Browns fan. It has been so long. So I think, yeah, again, build off this for the future. Remember where this franchise has been not too long ago. And I honestly will take it one step further. I think you talked about how Baker, um, you know, opened up his play more as the season went on. They allowed for that. I think that comes with obviously trust. And it's hard not to use your backfield when you have, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt back there. But I will say one thing, and I know this will probably rub some people the wrong way. um, OBJ is one of the best receivers in the league. That's not a question. I'm not questioning that. However, ever since he got injured, that is really when Baker started shining more. And I felt their offense started opening up more because there's not that pressure to hit him every single time. And I think that allows for more you know use your tight ends more go to Landry more like you have just more a more open scheme a more open offense to play call with um when you're not pressured to go to one of the league's top receivers um and so I think him coming back if they can find that balance there 
that would be great with a healthy OBJ added into this mix. That will be amazing. Um, but I do think like once he was out, I think that's when you started seeing what other talent was out there. And there wasn't that pressure on Baker. Like I have to throw it to OBJ cause it's OBJ. So. Yeah. I remember being not too hot on that trade. Like I, I got it from a fantasy football standpoint of just gather as much great talent as possible. But I thought at that point at that franchise's and that franchise's development, um, and then especially Baker's uh, development as a rookie going into his second year, I was, I was like, this has the potential to torpedo. And it damn near did. I mean, Baker had a sophomore slump. It was some good and some bad and not all of it was his fault, but you know, he is the quarterback. And so he is the leader of the team. So he's, you know, he is worthy of getting shat on in that instance because of that, how that second year went. But thankfully the third year has been cleaned up. But um, before we get on, like one more thing on Baker for you, Danielle, because um, as an outside outsider looking in, I'm assuming that like the, I don't want to make this uh, Mount Rushmore thing. I hate those offseason topics, but I'm assuming that your casual general Ohio sports fan, you know, you're going to be looking up to like guys like Jim Brown, uh, Woody Hayes. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else. I mean, LeBron James, of course, mm-hmm. if Baker Mayfield, I mean, obviously if they win a playoff game, that that would shock the world. Anybody that likes the NFL, that would shock everybody, um, given all their disadvantages. But let's say that they build off of this and Baker is able to have more of an all-pro, like a fringe all-pro season next year, and the Browns go into the postseason with some expectations, and they win a playoff game or two. I mean, where would that put Baker Mayfield in terms of, like, he's not going to overshadow LeBron James by any means, but Ohio is a football state more so than the basketball state, I think, just as an outsider looking in. So I would assume that any football success is just looked at with just more reverence than, you know, unfortunately, LeBron James being the best basketball player in the world uh, during his time. So where would Baker rank to you if they're able to build off this season and go into next year and meet those expectations? I mean, he would be... He would be very high. I would, pro- I would honestly confidently say a top five. Um, just, I know that's a big statement. Um, you know, the state definitely is football. I mean, we have the pro football hall of fame is in Ohio. Um, so football is kind of king there uh, with just, I mean, even when you look at Ohio state, I mean, like you mentioned, Woody Hayes, you have Archie Griffin, you have Hopalong Cassidy, like all those names that came Eddie George, like that came through this program. Um, and then you look at the Browns and you talk about, I mean, Jim Brown is always up there. Um, and just Cleveland sports in general. I mean, the guys that have always kind of stuck out in general, it's like Jim Tomey and you have LeBron James and you have Jim Brown. So I think I would say top 10, but I do believe there will be people that would put him in the top five, um, especially, I mean, whether he gets a win Sunday or not, I think the biggest thing is what happens next year. I yeah. really do. Um, and I think that'll determine kind of where he really stacks up. Uh, Cause you don't want this to be like a one and done fluke season. Um, like we've mentioned already, you want to build off of this. So I think, um, I would say winning a playoff game Sunday with all the odds against him. I mean, that would skyrocket him because people already love him. I mean, his jerseys, one of the top selling jerseys ever since he's entered the league. Um, he is adored so much um, and definitely has become like the child uh, that everyone wants, you know, the son that everybody's been looking for to save this franchise. So I think um, 
I feel confident in saying like top 10, top five athlete of all time in Ohio. Um, but I do believe a lot of that as far as exactly where he would sit on people's list will be determined, not so much Sunday, but next season, yeah. uh, with what they do. Yeah. And where are my manners? Who could forget Peyton Hillis? He had that one awesome year with the Browns. I used to play with him on like, what was it? Madden 10 or something like that and just kill everybody. But where are my manners? But now let's get into um, a topic that is near and dear to your heart. Once again, the Ohio state Buckeyes, but I did want to bring up something that uh, Keegan and I have talked about on this podcast before. And it's basically when this was all going on and it was the, um, the big 10, manipulating their rules to get Ohio state into the big 10 championship to hopefully catapult them into the playoff. And Keegan and I were very consistent. Yes. We know Ohio state is one of the best teams in the country because we're not idiots. Um, look at their recruiting. Look at what, look what they have coming back from last year. Josh Fields is a Heisman candidate at the time of not playing enough games. You know, that's not his fault, uh, but he has certainly proven after destroying Clemson, that he is worthy of uh, being a top pick in the NFL draft coming up. So that's that talent level that we're talking about. But in terms of everything being moved around to benefit Ohio State and then the committee just allowing it to happen, it's just been a general fear of mine. It has really nothing to do with Ohio State. I'm not bringing you on here to crap on Ohio State. But ever since the committee has been a thing, Danielle, I've been really worried that the college football regular season, which I love and which I know you love being from Ohio, we're getting away from the importance of it. We're getting away from every single game counts and how you look every week counts. Now, this year sucks for a zillion reasons. It's not a normal year. Hopefully 21 is you know a normal season, but we've had too many examples already in the committee's short history of we don't care what you did on Saturday because we just go ahead and think that these four teams are better and whatever they do or don't do, we will kind of bend the narrative to prove what we initially go into the season thinking. And so it's leading up to a nightmare scenario for me, which would still benefit OU, uh, but a nightmare scenario for me where we just get to a point where these games don't matter let's just go ahead and crown the damn team that has the best recruiting rankings and all the best NFL prospects on their team. Cause that's essentially what the committee did with Ohio state this year. Um, now Ohio state is just the example. It could have been OU. It could have been Alabama. It could have been any blue blood power five team with a ton of talent. So um, obviously knowing that you're all hundred percent like, yes, we, we got the big 10 championship. We got in the playoff. Um, is there any concern or worry for what that does or what that has done uh, to the sport of college football and especially the regular season? Well, I will say uh, I don't envy any of the committee members, especially this year. And I think this year is just the anomaly. And I know that's like easy for me to say in a way because um, I'm happy right now. But like strictly looking at it from just an unbiased <laughs> sports journalist uh, standpoint, um, I think this year going in, everyone's like, how is the committee even going to handle this? Like, what are they going to do? And I think that this year, it's just no matter what decision they made, I think was probably, you know, going to be argued because it has been in a normal season. Um, and I think honestly, my biggest concern is how inconsistent, even 2020 aside, but so far what the committee says, because they say 
conference championships matter. Okay. So the big 12 brings back their conference championship game because that seems to matter. Um, when you lose matters and who you lose to. So if you lose at the beginning of the season, it's not as big of a deal if you're losing, you know, later on in the season. I think there's been a lot of inconsistencies with what the committee says actually matters. And at the end of the day, the harsh reality, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, (laughs) the podcast was it's revenue. I mean, It's the teams that have the followings that are going to make the money that are going to keep pushing that envelope forward. And I mean, even look at the year Ohio state was left out and just kind of the reaction with that. And I think too, when you look back, I think the, the saddest part of the whole thing is uh, as you mentioned, Brady, I think what you were alluding to is just the amount of opt outs and the amount of stuff that, all these other bowl games don't matter. Three bowl games matter, the two semifinals and the final. And it's almost like kind of taking that love and that passion away from what fans, what athletes, what coaches, programs, every team is used to seeing for the most part, went back in the BCS era before the college football playoff began. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of people is just what this has done to all of the other bowl games now. Um, and I think again, the consistency, and I will say, you know, again, I don't envy the committee and I honestly have said this, gosh, I think before it even like way back when the big 10 made their decision initially, the thing that hurt, um, the conference itself the most was the big 10 and how they handled this. They set all of their teams up to fail. And then they set themselves up to continue to look bad because they initially came out thinking if we say we're opting out of this season, then everyone will follow suit. And that didn't happen. So then they had to go back on that. And then when they do that, now you're setting all your teams up to fail again, because it's like, you really want to get Ohio state in. We all knew the talent they were going to have when you have, yeah, like you mentioned, Justin Fields returning, you have Chris Olave returning, you have all these guys coming back. Master Teague, and then you get Trey Sermon, who transferred from OU there and is doing very well up there. So when you look at the talent that was coming back, it's hard to keep them out of that conversation when you know it's there. But again, I think a lot of this, and I've said this, even look at Indiana and look at these teams that have succeeded in that conference. The conference set their own programs up to fail this year by not putting in buffer weeks, by not giving them, you know, opportunities for bye weeks or handling COVID. So I think a lot of this comes on just the fact that there's no continuity across the board. And I think, again, that's where like the NCAA becomes the problem. So now it's almost like the committee has come almost into like an NCAA role where it's like we make certain rules but not all of them and we don't enforce so much stuff like there's a lot of gray area because even when you look at the semifinals you have four teams all operating on different both semifinals you had Ohio State and Clemson operating on different COVID protocols and you had Alabama and Notre Dame operating on different COVID protocols yeah so it's like how is that even even you know so it's kind of just I think there needs to be uh, more continuity and then people don't like them to have more power to govern, but it's like, how are we ever supposed to have some kind of fairness in all of this? If somebody doesn't step up to the plate and kind of make some mandate some rules. But then again, you also look too. it's like, 
I looked back since the playoffs started, there's always three really good teams and one really just team that gets put in there and <laughs> they don't really compete. And Notre Dame has done it twice now. I think like moving forward, the one team the committee can leave out of the college football discussion would be Notre Dame. The both, both yeah. times they got gotten shellacked. So it's like, but I do, I did look back. I mean, in Ohio state was it one year, they got blown out by Clemson 31, nothing. And so I think that's what's so crazy is when you look back just historically, there's always one really close semifinal and one not close semifinal. Yeah. And in fact, this is probably the year where both of them were won by large margins. So um, I don't know if that really made a lot of sense or was what you were going for, but that's just kind of my thought. I think there's just a lot of inconsistencies across the board. And I do think that, you know, what kind of message are they sending out? And if they're not careful, I think they could really ruin this sport um, for the long haul with how things are handled. I think there does, there should be more continuity with standards or what matters. Um, because look at Cincinnati. I mean, they don't play and they drop in the rankings and that just doesn't make sense. And they go and yeah. almost Georgia, like honestly, if they would have actually had clock management to the end, they would have beat Georgia. So, well, unfortunately for Cincinnati, Georgia cared about that game and they only cared once, you know, like towards the end of the game. So, I mean, that's just bad. That's just bad luck. They for... back. They're like, yeah, we care about this now. Ex exactly. <laughs> it's just such a joke. No, like, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Um, Keegan and I, like, are mainly me complaining about uh, what the committee was doing and even the Big Ten was doing. I was not complaining about it as an OU fan trying to champion like OU to get into the playoff because you're talking about a 14 just get in there to get their ass kicked. I mean, OU, um, as optimistic as I am for 2021 um, and that a lot of people are optimistic for this team for 2021, uh, they would have got their ass kicked by Alabama. Um, maybe they would have put up a little bit more of a offensive fight. You know, it could have been similar to the 2018 playoff when OU gets down 28 to nothing and then Kyler like in the offense wakes up and it kind of turns into somewhat of an entertaining game. Uh, but they had got it been more competitive, Brady. I really do over Notre Dame because Shit. look what they did to the SEC, you know, the king of college <laughs> football, uh, the SEC's second best team, Florida. They ruined them. And I don't care if you have four really strong players out. That doesn't make up for 35 points. And I think you watch <laughs> Notre Dame lose to the number two team okay, are they really going to do better against the number one team? So at that point, I, and I'm not saying, I, I agree with you. I don't think you look at it and you're like, oh, OU is going to go in and be really, they deserve to be in the college football playoff. I mean, that's a hard sell. I get it. Yeah. But I do honestly believe the way their defense was growing and offensively how they were coming along, I do think they would have put up a much better fight than Notre Dame did. Um, but Maybe. Again, I've been against the Irish from the beginning. Like, are we going to go down this road again? Let them back into the playoff? Because they're just not there yet. They're just not there yet. Yeah, so. I, I think like what it really comes down to is super late in the season, conference championship game week, we saw Notre Dame against a playoff team and they got embarrassed. And so the whole thing was, so we're just going to do this again? Right. And like the football purist in me is like, well, yeah, but I don't want to be yeah, I don't want to be a hypocrite because this is why they play football because Notre Dame has every chance in the world to go out there and prove us all wrong. And that's what makes sports so fun to watch. But right. you know, if you're using your brain, it's like, yeah, 
don't they're the- not winning <laughs> no bet- they did not stand a chance we knew who was coming out you know it was basically going into the college football playoff like who's gonna play alabama in the national championship game i mean that's basically what the mindset is yeah going in. unless yeah. you're a notre dame fan then you might hold out a glimmer of hope because you're a fan uh but like you said reality of the situation uh it's yeah i mean it just they went up like you mentioned they went up against a true strong like all their weapons trevor lawrence back at quarterback they were ready and they went up against a true playoff caliber team and it showed that they're just not there yet and there's nothing wrong with that but then again again this goes back to the committee so if you leave them out you know that's not good um, but then it's also like putting them in. It's just, you kind of know what the outcome is going to be. So unless something like, you know, Mac Jones, Najee Harris and Devonte Smith all were on the COVID list. I mean, that was maybe the chance that they would have had, but yeah, <laughs> not when you have a triple threat like that. Good luck. <laughs> no, I actually, I truly think that the committee wanted Iowa state to beat Oklahoma because like just the way that they were bouncing up the rankings week after week, I think they really respected Iowa state. Now Iowa state is not a program that's going to bring a lot of eyeballs and revenue, but I think for that four spot, because I think the committee kind of agreed. Yeah. Whoever the fourth team is, they're probably not winning that semifinal game. So who cares? But if we got to choose according to who we respect the most, Iowa state, please beat Oklahoma. We are setting it up for you to, springboard into that fourth spot and i think you saw it just yeah with the rankings and then especially with them even getting a new year six bowl bid and then they kicked the crap out of oregon so they were certainly deserving if they beat oklahoma but fortunately they didn't do that but you talked about the national championship game so let's get right into that but before we get there i will ask you just one question have you uh, tweeted at nick saban's daughter in the last 24 to 48 hours (laughs) um I did. I did quote tweet her. Yes, I did. What a Uh, fool. (laughs) Thank you so much for bringing that up. I, so I saw, obviously saw the one that she ended up deleting. Um, and I really wish I would have saw that before she deleted it or like screenshotted it. I mean, I could have taken it some from somebody else, but I wanted to like quote tweet that with like Nick's halftime interview or wait, it's, it's, Coach Saban, right? Not Nick. We're not. Oh yeah, we, we got to be. Brady, we got to be okay. Got to be yeah. smart here. This is God oh, we're talking gosh. about. Heaven forbid we call somebody by their birth name. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> um, Nick, uh, when his halftime interview during the semifinal game, they had the audio issues, and he's like, "What? Like, I can't hear you." I really wanted to reply to her initial tweet with like that reaction because I yeah. just felt it was so perfect, like seeing him read that. But no, I did quote Twitter and it was like a gif of him yelling at a ref or something. And I just put like, Kristen, what did I tell you about social media? Cause yeah, it's like, Nick, come get your daughter. Like what is going on? <laughs> Why would you do that? That's, it's so, it just doesn't help anything. And I get like, don't get me wrong. I work in sports for a reason. I'm passionate about it. I get all of that. And it is so hard because I've had to kind of check myself um, as a fan this season of being irritated about, you know, who's on the COVID list because of contact tracing, not because they have it. And it is a very frustrating thing. But at the end of the day, we have to remind ourselves, which she did not until somebody said something to her, that this is a very serious virus that people are dying from every single day. And so let's not undermine that just because we care so much about sports. And that's so hard to do because sports is such a part of so many people's lives. Um, 
and it brings a lot of joy and anguish to people depending on how their team does. Yeah. Uh, I'm a a perfect example of that, unfortunately. (laughs) So anyway, yes, I uh, did quote tweet her. I thought that was very poorly done. Um, And so, yeah, it's just, that was kind of, that was in bad taste. So yeah, I can just I can only imagine as soon as I'm sure Nick Saban probably has her on quote not, or tweet notification. The second he saw that, just I mean, we've seen him yell at assistant coaches and refs and players. I can only imagine what he when oh. he's upset with his kids. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine like the phone call, like yeah, just what, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I know what my. Uh, if my dad and I were in that situation, what my phone call would sound like. So I can only imagine uh, what a phone call from Nick Saban would be like after making him angry and I'm his own child. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of the national championship, um, if Ohio state wins, if you do want that tweet, um, if you want to like have that tweet framed or printed out, uh, we do have it screenshotted. So if you need it, just let me know uh, if Perfect. Ohio state wins, but speaking of the game, Look, I don't know if it's been officially nixed just yet in terms of because I saw the report the other day about how the game could potentially be postponed because Ohio State's dealing with some COVID issues. And I'm all for it. I mean, if people want to crap on that because, oh, they're just that's not fair, blah, blah, blah. Like they need to play it as scheduled. No, like the New Year six came out before the game, like right after the games were announced and said, hey, if these any of these teams need more time we will allow that because we want to put the best product on the field possible. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, at least from my standpoint, I mean, I don't care who wins, but I want to watch, I want to watch every, like both teams at hundred percent, relatively speaking. And that includes like potentially even seeing Jalen Waddle out there right next to the Heisman trophy winning, uh, uh, the Heisman trophy winning player in Devonte Smith. So, um, I want to see the best, uh, two teams play each other for the national championship. So if they postpone it, so be it. But, um, if they don't, are you 100% confident that Josh Fields is going to be anywhere near 100%? Because, I mean, I'll tell you, Danielle, it made a lot of sense to me why he was able to gut through that performance. It was incredible to watch. Um, it That hit looked so terrible. And then he took another hit basically in the same spot like two or three plays later. But it made a lot of sense to me. The adrenaline is pumping, and he got those pain, he got those pain killers quick. Uh, but when you have a lot of time to just rest injuries like that just get worse and worse and worse. So I hope Josh Fields is hundred percent, but if he isn't uh, who knows, maybe he has another miracle performance in him, uh, not even near hundred percent, but I hope that's what we get. Um, if so, I really wouldn't be surprised if Ohio state beats Alabama. I think they have a legitimate shot to beat them. This would not surprise me that they beat Alabama if that happens. So historically, now this was, more Urban Meyer than Nick Saban. It always just seemed like Urban and Ohio State had Nick's number. Um, And so I'm curious to see what it looks like with Ryan Day, because I actually have absolutely loved the program since he took over. Um, I think I agree with you. COVID wise, like, yeah, people are going to be all up in arms. But at the end of the day, those are the people that are probably Alabama fans or, you know, the SEC fans that ride the coattails of Alabama carrying the conference. Um, so unlike the ACC fans who know their basketball conference and Clemson is their only chance at anything fo- football wise, but anyway, uh, SEC wise um, with Alabama, I think the only people who truly are like 
that's ridiculous are Kristen Sabin um, and, you know, the other fans, because they look at that as an advantage, which is also so wrong to do. Um, because I agree with you, if you are a true sports fan, like teams aside, you want to see a good game. Who wants to see a blowout in a national championship? Again, unless you are an Alabama fan or an Ohio state fan. I mean, you want to see the blowout, but me personally, I want to see healthy as healthy as we can get with teams, you know, as full strength as possible. I want to see a good game because otherwise you see all the complaints about this, you know, Brown Steelers playoff that we talked about earlier. And we know that they're not going to have full strength on one side. So why would you ever want to go into a national championship game thinking that you're going to see, I don't know, just like this lopsided fight. And again, it comes down to, we have made it so far in this football season, a football season, many people thought was never going to happen. And now that we've reached the pinnacle of it, the absolute, the ending point, like the granddaddy of them all, even though it's not the Rose bowl, but still we have reached this point in the season that a lot of people never thought we'd get to. Why wouldn't you want the teams to be why wouldn't you want it to be the best possible product that you could have? So I think, um, you know, and I would say the same thing if it were Alabama, if they didn't have full strength, like I honestly wouldn't be mad at them if they're like, we won another week. I get it. Like you should, you've dominated all year long. And if you're without a lot of guys that can make a big difference, I totally get it. And the other thing too is, I, you know, people have been saying Alabama and Ohio State haven't exactly been transparent this whole season with their COVID numbers, like other programs. I mean, Oklahoma sent them out weekly. And so I do see what people are trying to say. But then again, I even look at it. It's like, well, clearly there's some issues maybe in Ohio. If the Browns have so many issues on their end, now the Buckeyes have so many issues on their end. Um, you know, maybe just COVID's having some issues there and not that Oklahoma's, I mean, there's issues everywhere with it. So I just think um, I'd be okay if the game got pushed back for the sake of sport, for the sake of having a good game. And I do think, you know, this like truly from a just non-Ohioan standpoint, just like an outsider standpoint. I do think Ohio State, if they come out the way they play Clemson and we see that same kind of team, I do think they have small potential to be Alabama. I just don't know. (laughs) I honestly just don't know how you beat Alabama this year. I really don't. Like from a truthful standpoint, offensively, they are so good. And defensively, they're really good there too I mean there's they don't really have a lot of weakness so and I think when you look at Ohio State their secondary has been the biggest challenge for them this year um and COVID has seemed to hit their defense pretty hard too so I always want to say there's a chance I'm never going to count Ohio State out because I also feel like they find a way whether they play six games in a season or you know a regular full season with 11 or more games uh they always find a way to have all these plays just kind of up their sleeves somewhere else and like it's like almost like you see something you see a different level you see a bunch of new things when it comes to playoff Ohio State versus regular season Ohio State and so I do I'm not going to say they don't have a chance I definitely think they do um but it's going to be tough like full strength or not that's going to be really tough 
Yeah, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, if Alabama does have a weakness, it's their secondary and Josh Fields, if he is 100% with their, with their skill guys, I mean, they're capable of at least making this a shootout. You know, if if Alabama just plays up to their potential, I mean, you're right. It's It's hard to see anybody beating them. But Ohio State is good enough to make this somewhat of a shootout, which would entertain everybody. I'm sure it'd make you lose like three or four years off your life expectancy, but I hundred percent understand how that feels, but um, you know, gun to your head and fully understanding that you, you're bleeding scarlet and what is it? Scarlet, scarlet and gray. Is that what? Yeah. Okay. So I was going to say silver. I was like, that's not right. Scarlet and gray um, fully knowing all that about you. Who wins? Alabama. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, disappointing, Brady. No, I think you thought maybe I was going to stick with it. I honestly, um, I think Alabama wins. I really I, do. I had to face that reality uh, with the Peach Bowl last year. I'm just like, you know what? This team, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm glad they won the Big Twelve, and I'm glad they made the playoff. I'd rather make the playoff and lose than win a New Year Six Bowl. Uh, but I would have preferred a little bit more of a fight. But yeah, I was like, no, there's no way they're beating LSU. So uh, these things unfortunately happen. But Daniel, uh, thank you so much for jumping on. You've got other stuff you got to, you know, take care of today. So I appreciate your time. Uh, everybody, please follow Danielle on Twitter. It's at Danielle Dwyer uh, TV. So it's D A N I E L L E D W Y E R and then TV for everybody out there like me who can't read or spell. Uh, but yes, thank you so much, Danielle. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brady, for having me on. Of course. Everybody, thank you so much for uh, listening to the Inside OU podcast. And uh, once again, we'll put out random stuff throughout the off season. So it'll be inconsistent, but more content's always better than less, but whatever you guys appreciate. So thank you again to Danielle and thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you later.